We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. weeks ago, a friend and mastermind member posted this on Twitter. He said, in the fall, I decided to join a mastermind group with Jethro. To be honest, I was skeptical of what a mastermind group would benefit me as a leader. Now I can't imagine a week without the support and learning I've gained from the crew. Grateful to be part of the family that forces me to be open and honest about my leadership and receive feedback to grow on. I hear people say all the time that they are skeptical of what a mastermind group can do. I get it. It took me a long time to join a mastermind group for myself. But when you are feeling lonely, like an imposter, or not up to the monumental task of shaping the lives of a thousand young people, it makes a difference being able to join a group of people who know how you feel and know how to help you. So I'd love to have you join us. Go to jethrojones.com mastermind. And let's schedule a time to talk about how the mastermind could help you. That's jethrojones.com slash mastermind. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am honored to have today on the program Jay Posick. He has been a educator since 1987, if you can believe that, teaching second, third, fourth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. Currently, he's in his 31st year as a middle school educator, the first 12 as a classroom teacher, and the last 19 as an administrator. He is the principal of Merton Intermediate School in Merton, Wisconsin, 
And he is also the author of the book Principles in Action with Mark French, Ryan Sheehy, and himself. And excited to have you back on the program. Our last episode was 254. So nearly, uh, well, more than 150 episodes ago, because this is episode 416. So glad to have you back on the podcast. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be back and honored to be uh, honored beyond a second time. Thank you so much, Jethro. Well, I have uh, kept in touch with you, been a, a lurker mostly in a Voxer group with you for quite some time about uh, middle school issues. And there's so much that you're doing and have done to help people. And so I thought this was a good time to get your voice out there to more people than what's in your private Voxer group, um, which you're pretty open about, right? So people can join your Voxer group if they're middle school educators, right? Principals specifically, is that right? That is correct. Yes, we're uh, we're more than happy to welcome more voices into the conversation. Yeah, so there's definitely some some good stuff there. And one of the things that I want to talk about is you're in a fortunate position where you've had kids in the building during the this year of pandemic. And so I want to talk about some of the ideas around opening schools and having kids come come back. Some schools will have been gone for the whole entire. 2020-2021 school year. And so other people have, have already been back. So what are some of the things that you have learned through this process of having, um, well, first tell about how your school has been set up, whether you've been remote or in person and and how that all worked out. Yeah. So we've been very fortunate. We have been open since right at, well, actually September 1st. So we started before, uh, before Labor Day. And, uh, what we were able to do, I'm a, we're a fifth through eighth grade school. And uh, what I, we were able to do is find uh, different rooms in our building that would be able to allow for six foot of spacing for our kids. So uh, in thinking back through this, one of the things I had to make sure of was that I communicated really well with the teachers because there are only five teachers who are in their actual classroom from the previous year. The others have been moved to other locations. So we uh, we moved our band director out of the band room, and that became an eighth grade social studies room. We moved our art teacher out of the art room, and that became a seventh grade math classroom. I mean, those are just two examples, and it's been moving people around to find the biggest spaces possible so that we have enough, uh, the ability to, to, to have space in classrooms six feet apart. We also took out almost every single bit of teacher furniture that was in the classroom because that provided even even more space for us. Um, our kids have been masked up. Our staff have been masked up since day one. And what's amazing is uh, I think the kids were able to handle that, at least initially, uh, better than our teachers were just because it's kind of a, a different situation, right? So um, we have the, the six foot of spacing uh, in, in order. We have our masks going on. We talk an awful lot about washing your hands. We have hand sanitizing stations outside of every single classroom. Um, I've actually seen more kids wash their hands in this school year than I saw in my previous 31 years in middle school. It's just, it's amazing how much cleaner they happen to be now. <laughs> They're like, oh, I, I'm going to have, every time they walk by one of those stations, they, they, they take care of that. The other thing we did, which was really important is we, uh, we have cohorts of kids that stay together so that if we ever do have an outbreak, we can trace it back to uh, one particular classroom. Uh, seating charts are, are updated. Like every month, our teachers do a different seating chart just so the kids aren't stuck in the same particular spot. Because I remember back in the day, it was like, you know, you have an egg, egg carton classroom, all these, everybody in their own little spot. And then we went to flexible seating and we had some great ideas for that. And now all of a sudden we're back in that other, back in that other frame of mind right now. So we're, we're 100% in person, but we do have some families that are virtual. So we live stream classes. 
Um, so we use Google. Uh, Google is our is our as our platform. So we use Google Meet, and our teachers and our kids do an amazing job at checking in with our virtual kids, uh, making sure they're a part of the conversation. You know, if there's a, a chance for a small group, uh, all of a sudden the Chromebook goes from where it was in the classroom to uh, to to with the, with some kids and kids not literally fight, but they fight over having the virtual kids as part of their group just because they don't get a chance to see them except uh, in that kind of setting. The only drawback that we had with cohorts, to be honest with you, is we we found that in, in our seventh and eighth grade classes in particular, we have three different levels of math and we have uh, we have made the cohorts the math level that the kids happen to be in. Well, they travel with, with each other all day long, and uh, sometimes that can be really good, and sometimes it can it can cause some issues. So um, we're trying to figure out ways that uh, if we're able to change things up a little bit next year with cohorts, how we can make that be better so that there's a better mix of kids throughout the day. Let's talk about those cohorts for a minute because, you know, we've done teaming in middle schools before, and that can be very effective. Um, and this is uh, a little bit different. How has how has this compared to a like a teaming plan where you have all the kids go to the same classes, you know, usually for the most part with, you know, some electives are different, but how has this worked with that Mm -hmm. idea of middle school teaming? Well, we're a, we're a a rather, we're a smaller school. So we have, uh, we have um, four sections. If you want to look at it that way, four sections of fifth grade, four sections of sixth grade, four sections of seventh grade. And then we have five of eighth grade. Our eighth grade class is our biggest class by almost 30 kids. Um, So when we team, like I'm going to use my fifth grade, uh, our our fifth grade team as an example, there's one language arts teacher, there's one math teacher, there's one science teacher, there's one social studies teacher. They focus on that one content area and the cohort group, those kids move from classroom to classroom. so there is kind of a team there, um, but there's not a lot of mixture of the kids. The only times the kids really mix in in our in our grade levels is when they go to lunch and recess, and uh, we have elective time as well. So we don't have you know if you're in the cohort of the 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 B math class for example, you're not going to go. Everybody's not going to have the same elective. That those get mixed up. So there's one time in the day, two times in the day, the elective time and the lunch time where that gets mixed up. And I think that's where we really, um, we're doing our best to try and get as many voices in those conversations. But if you've got a high math class, for example, you've got a lot of, of, of kids who have really good math ability. That doesn't mean they have really good language arts ability necessarily, right? So, you know, how do we make sure that we're meeting the needs of the kids when they go from classroom to classroom? You know, you can have one class that has a great discussion in social studies and the next class, it's like pulling teeth. And I think that happens with just, I mean, it can happen with any class. It's just how you, how you develop those, uh, those environments. So um, I think that's the biggest struggle right now is to try and um, try and broaden the conversations that happen in those classes. So, um, I mean, we did what we had to do just because of the situation, trying to do things. And I'll be honest, our superintendent said to us after the third week of school, so we're third week of September, he said, I, there was no way I thought we'd still be open based upon what was happening in the state of Wisconsin at that time, the COVID was running rampant. It was, it was everywhere, but we haven't had any transmissions of COVID from student to student within our school or from, uh, you know, from, from staff member to student within our school. We've been very fortunate with that. And the other thing is we actually changed our schedule because we weren't sure if we were going to have to go virtual because we had block classes of 90 minutes in length 
And if you can imagine, it would be not the best thing for a kid or a staff member, to be honest with you, to sit in front of a screen for 90 minutes with the same group of people and the same teacher. So we cut our classes down to hour-long classes at a time, just in case we had to go virtual. We had that backup plan in place that we could just make that as seamless as, as possible and still say stay synchronous, because that was one of the things our school board and our families, frankly, wanted to make sure that we continued to do. That's really interesting. And, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about the instruction itself, but also about the the practices that you had in place of flexible seating of kids moving about freely and how now that is that's been kind of clamped down on because of coronavirus. What are some of the things that you've been doing to still enable voice and choice with students? Um, because that's an important thing for middle schoolers to be able to have. Absolutely. So um, a perfect example, uh, one of our so upcoming social studies lessons, um, I, I was working with the, the person who was putting it together. And uh, part of it is going to be some nonfiction reading that they're going to be doing. So instead of just having one choice, you know, it's almost like back in the day when I was in school, you went to the textbook, you read page, that page because that's what the teacher said. Well, now there's seven or eight different articles that the, the student can choose from still being able to, to uh, take the ideas that are being uh, shared and focus their uh, their uh, their thoughts on that one particular article that they have chosen. So there's that. We still have projects that kids are doing and presentations. Um, there was actually a, a tweet last week. One of my fifth grade teachers uh, tweeted out the kids had given feedback to their classmates on all of their the presentations, and it didn't matter whether your presentation was in person or whether you were virtual. Those people were you know everybody got feedback that way. So there's some there's some voice there, some choice. Choosing electives is something that we, uh, our kids have eight different electives that they can choose. So uh, two per quarter is how, how that works out. And uh, so there's some choice in what that looks like. And honestly, we really scaled back what our elective offerings were. Um, they used to be like really heavy academically, right? We've got some classes right now. We've got a fitness class to make sure we get our kids moving a little more. We've got a, a mindfulness class where it's listening to music. It's uh, th those different sorts of things. We've got one that's called um, Book of Palooza, which is kids are just reading. They choose books and they might be in a book club. So we're, we're trying to find ways that they can have choice, but it's not going to be something that's that's really overbearing to them. Because what we're finding, we're, we're really trying to concentrate a lot on the SEL with our kids, social emotional learning, uh, just because um, we don't really know what they're dealing with at home. When When the coronavirus hit for us, um, there were some families that it really didn't impact them other than um, instead of working uh, at the office, they were working from home. There are other families that, you know, both parents lost their job. Um, we have, um, if our if our students are virtual, we, we were providing lunches um, for this, for all during, all during the school year, as long as you signed up in advance. So we made sure that we had enough there. So our food service was also a, a big part of this, um, this whole, this whole push too. So, um, there's still some, there's still voice and choice, but I think it's, it becomes a little more difficult with the, with the virtual aspect of things. It doesn't have to be, but I just think that sometimes that's, that, that's kind of what happens in our head is I got to make sure everybody gets what they need to get because now our time is, is shortened, so to speak. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include 
a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer. A title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval. One book that says, stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. So that brings up the the question about uh, instructional strategies and, and ways that you're doing instruction now, as opposed to, you know, a year ago when, when the virus wasn't around. What kinds of things have changed? What has been a positive and what have been things that you're, you, you can't wait for us to be pe- through the pandemic so we can go back to doing some good instruction? You know, our staff, our teachers have just, it's, it's been amazing to watch them. Um, and you know enough about me to realize that I don't sit in my office very much. I get out and about. And even when we were virtual learning, I had access to every single Google Classroom that our teachers had. I had access to every single Google Meet. And I would just pop in and, and join them. So one of the things that has happened for, for me, I'm going to talk about myself just for a second before I talk about our teachers. But one of the things that has happened for me is, um, I'm able to reach out through Google Meet or through a, through the telephone, you know, that old thing that's that's sitting there on your desk um, and make connections with kids. There was actually one family that every single morning during that whole pandemic time where we were where we were virtual, the kids started the day with me at 830 before school even got started. And and we found that they weren't always ready for school unless Mr. Posick got it together with them on a Google meet and all three of their faces had to be on the screen before I let them leave. Cause I wanted to make sure that they were prepared for, for class for the day. Um, so that's one of the things I find is a real positive is I've been able to have more uh, interaction conversation with kids that way. When I walk into a classroom, if the, if the Chromebook is in front and the lesson is being, you know, the kids are having work time, I'll go right to that, that Chromebook and start talking to the kids who are virtual just to see how they're doing. If there's anything I can do to help out anything they need from their teachers. The other thing we've done with our virtual kids, I'm going around in circles and talking about a whole bunch of different things, but you know, when something pops into my head, it's going to come out my mouth most of the time. Every Friday we have material pickup for our virtual families. So our, our grade level teachers, they just do an amazing job of making sure everything is ready on Thursday at four o'clock. Um, our secretary is phenomenal. I wouldn't trade her for anybody. She gets everything all set. And then our lobby is open so the families can come in starting at eight o'clock on Friday morning until six o'clock on Friday evening to pick up stuff. And anything that's left there, I either make a phone call or an email or I deliver it because sometimes our families, if one of them is is quarantined, oftentimes that means everybody's quarantined so they're not supposed to leave the house. So I'll go and drop off materials that way too. So that's something else if you have those families and you will have families that are going to, even when we go back to fully uh, in person, they're going to want to maintain that virtual environment just to be as safe as they possibly can for their family for whatever reason. And we're not going to judge them. It's just, that's what they feel is best for their family. Well, on that piece, you know, having an idea of how you're going to administer education to students who are still going to stay home once school's back fully in session, I, I don't think it's going to be possible to go back to we expect everyone to be here every day, all the time. We're going to have to adjust. And I think this is one of the really good things is that, 
you know, our compulsory attendance policy used to be that you have to physically be here. And now that we see that that is not tenable during the pandemic. And furthermore, that's not always the best thing because I'm sure you've had kids who have flourished just like every other school across the country, kids who have flourished in this different way of learning than they and did much better than they did when they had to come to school every day. In fact, I was talking to a principal just last week who was saying that the kids who were the um, the spinners, as you call them, the ones who spin everybody mm-hmm. else up, them not being in the building made them better students because they were thriving and getting a lot of you know dopamine hits from uh, getting other people riled up. And because they the they weren't coming into school, then they didn't have that opportunity. And so they just focused on their schoolwork and and were able to not be distracted is really what it was by the rest of the students. What are some things that have gone away that you are excited to get back to and and have things be normal again so that you can do some of those things that you were doing before, especially the innovative things? Well, I'm not sure that this is innovative, but I will tell you that the the kids not being able to participate in, uh, in choir and in band and in drama uh, just because of, of how all everything is, is worked out or in any of our athletic endeavors, that's been really difficult. I want to get back to normal for that. You know, we're not playing basketball against other schools. We're just playing intramural basketball on, you know, 7.15 to 8.15 in the morning. And, you know, certain grade levels and certain, you know, at certain times, we're hopefully going to be playing volleyball against other schools. But some of those things, which are the reasons that kids show up to school, are not there. You know, the band and choir concerts, I, I miss those more than I can even I can even say, and the kids not, I mean, we're still doing band, we're still doing choir. The numbers in those are a little bit smaller because I think that they're realizing, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be performing for anybody. So unless you really love band or you really love choir, you might not have as much interest in it. So that's why there's some other choices for electives for those kids too. So um, those are the things that that I really hope that we can get back together with. The other thing is really having having kids in close proximity to work together on things, whether it is a project in the classroom or whether it's some sort of a community service project. A lot of those things have gone by the wayside just because we're trying to keep our kids as safe as possible. We want, we'd love to have kids out in the community doing volunteer work, but that's not the safest thing for them at this particular point in time. So I know neither one, none of those is really academic, but they're the things that I think um, make our school and, and everybody's school just a little bit different because we're not just here for the academics. In fact, I just got an email before we began talking from a, from a mom who said, all right, it's time for my child to come back in person. And, and it's not because she's not doing well academically. She's thriving in this environment, but she's not going to be prepared for her social life that she needs to have as she's getting ready to go into high school. And we need to start working on that. So our parents are, are so supportive of what we're doing. And, uh, you know, if if your child wakes up and they got a runny nose and they and they're not feeling well and you call into the office, we're going to say, okay, those are two symptoms. You're going to be staying home until you either get a COVID test or those symptoms are completely gone. And our families have been really really good about that. I mean, really good. And if they if they weren't, we wouldn't be we we wouldn't be as as available to be open as we are right now. Yeah, you know, a couple things. The music classes, for example. Um, that had been an area in my previous schools where it was that was not a beneficial thing financially for our school to continue doing. 
but we know how important music is. And so we continued offering it. And, you know, hopefully uh, we can find some different ways so that it's not just band or just orchestra or just choir, but there are different ways to offer those musical opportunities for students that allows them to tap into the things that they're interested in. So in, in one middle school as principal of in Kodiak, uh, we had a piano class for kids mm. um, to be able to learn piano, which was a big deal because there, there were people on the island who, who taught piano, but there weren't a ton of people. And so this was an opportunity for the choir teacher to, to offer something else, you know, and um, at a later school, we tried to offer some other courses that were, unique ways of of learning music you know like a dj class or something like Mm -hmm. that it's still about the music but it's not about the very strict band orchestra choir and those are you know the only things and so being able to like open those things up to something else i think is a is a powerful thing for kids to have some kind of expression still but but not those three only options you know exactly yeah something else and i think what you mentioned before with having your different options of electives makes it so that kids feel like they can leave those music classes because it's not the only thing that's being offered you know when right. we offered something else we had kids leave the music program but that was because we saw that kids were in the music program because there wasn't anything else available <laughs> you know mm-hmm. exactly so, yeah yeah you know, music is important but we want to you know try to find different ways of helping Um, kids see you know other ways that the music exists besides just band orchestra and choir yeah we we were very our 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 pto is exceptionally supportive of us and we actually have i think we have 10 guitars so that was offered as an elective well as well was you know just beginning guitar and for some kids um, they already knew the guitar but they wanted to play the guitar when they were in school so they become came like a co-teacher within the class right so you know, when you can use the talents that our kids have to help teach teach some things too, that's that's pretty cool. Okay, and so let's just make sure we talk about the cafeteria also. So tell us what you're doing with the cafeteria. Yeah. So uh, sorry, sorry, I didn't bring that up before. I get I, I get excited and talk, and I forget where I was talking about. But anyways, cafeteria time, lunch time. What we have done is we have 40 minute lunch recess time. So half of our, so our our fifth grade kids are outside for recess while our sixth grade kids are eating, and then we flip them. But we've got them all six feet apart. We have used our cafeteria, and we've also used one half of our gymnasium. And in in doing that, we're able to have plenty of space for our our kids. Um, Our eighth grade group is a little larger, so I also take over the art room because there isn't a class going on at that time. Um, I'm able to take over the art room, so we have overflow. And that just that six feet of space, especially because at that time, they're more than likely not going to be wearing masks. I don't know if you've tried to eat with a mask on Jethro, but it just doesn't work really well. So we have to make sure that that distance um, happens to be there and just providing that time for them because they need to, you know, kind of relax. Our lunch periods used to be only 30 minutes. We extended them so that we made sure that they had a little more downtime. They could eat in an appropriate time frame and still get them out for recess. I think recess is one of the most important things for our for our kids. Um, and getting outside is 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 vital. And to go along with that, our phi ed teachers have only held three class three phi ed classes indoors all year. And we're in Wisconsin, and we're in the middle of January, and we've had three classes indoors, and all three of them were because of rain, not because of cold. So we'll be outside uh, until it gets to be zero degrees on the thermometer with doing stuff. But our teachers will they'll go outside for a bit, and then they come back in. 
and then they'll go outside. So it's it's not like a straight hour outside because that's not good for anybody when it gets that, to be that cold either. So uh, thanks for letting me add that because I think that's really important. That's some of the stuff that we don't always think about. We're always thinking about the classrooms, but that other that other time is vital as well. Um, absolutely. And in Alaska, our our time to go outside was until it got to negative 20. So yeah. I know how, how that is with uh, the yeah, cold. We're, we're zero on the thermometer, negative 15 on the wind chill. And I go outside. So I got my snow pants and I got my boots and I got my furry lined hat. And I'm ready to go. And the kids know if Mr. Postick is outside, we're going outside too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, definitely. So uh, in our last interview, episode 254, um, you said the way to be a transformative principal is to get out of your office. So today mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? If you need to reuse that same answer, that's okay. But what, where, where's your head at now? So my head right now is, um, is around uh, connecting with kids. And it's not, um, so we had a, a staff meeting today that, w- that was talked about, uh, we, we talked about the importance of being connected with kids. And the activity we did is something that I'm sure you have done before, but I had, um, I had our, our IT person put together uh, sheets of kids with their pictures and their names, and it was by grade level, right? And so we talked a little bit about, um, about how important it is to make connections, but I said, this is not a contest. I don't want you to go around and figure out how many check marks you can put by kids' pictures. I want you to really make sure that when you put a check mark there, it's because you've ha- you feel like you have a connection with, with a kid that's really strong. Like if they had something that they were really concerned about, they could come to you and it would be no questions. They could, they feel they could talk to you. And then we talked about it at individual grade level meetings afterwards, right? So there were some, I would show them, here's all the fifth grade kids and look at all the check marks, but look at the kids who don't have any check marks. And then it was, well, Jay, I didn't feel like they thought that they might be able to come to me if they had a problem. I said, well, but do you know who they are? Have you made a connection? Do you know what they're, oh yeah, all that stuff is good, but that one thing. So I said, so how do you change that so that they can become more, they can feel more comfortable around you and they feel like they, that, that you're there for them. And so we talked about, uh, you know, some different things. I use a, a two by 10 strategy, you know, two minutes, uh, two minutes a day with a student for 10 days in a row, let the student choose the topic that they're going to talk about with you and just show an interest in that and make sure that you go back to them the next day and either continue that conversation or change the conversation up. Those, those sorts of things. Um, just to try and make connections. And I said, I don't want anybody to feel bad. Like if you only had five or six kids that you had check marks for, that means you made five or six super strong connections and those kids can come to you at any time. And if you had 50 check marks, that doesn't mean you're any, you know, doesn't mean you're any better either. It just, it, it's just different, right? So I'm I'm really concentrating on trying for me personally, and I and I told the staff this, I really have had um I've not connected well with our fifth graders yet. That's the the kids who are first in our building. And part of it is I can only see part of them, right? I don't have that facial recognition. And you can tell what people look like by their eyes, but there's the rest of that that's that's hidden behind that mask. So my goal is to try and make better connections with our fifth graders within the next month. Sometimes you don't have time to do those, to make those connections in a day, right? Because other things happen and that's okay. But we just talked about making sure that you're there, understanding that when you say something, the kids are listening, even if you don't think they're listening. And when, whether it's in the classroom or in the hallway or who, you know, or in the cafeteria, just different things that, uh, that we have to be aware of so that we make powerful connections with kids, because that's when they're going to perform for us and, and do their best work. 
Yeah, absolutely. Connecting with kids is so important. Just want to uh, thank you again, Jay, for being part of Transformative Principle. You can follow Jay on Twitter at POSICJ. And uh, that's just the letter J, not J-Y. That's right. Full name. <laughs> so uh, thank you again, Jay, for being part of Transformative Principle. Again, it was great having you this time. Appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for the conversation, Jethro. Hey, middle school principals, what if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press play? In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy, and it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.